Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the Last Line Soccer Podcast, presented to you by Prime Focus Goalkeeping and the Beautiful Game Network. We want to take some time real quick to thank our sponsors for everything they do for us. Prime Focus Goalkeeping is a brand dedicated to bringing goalkeepers of all ages, top quality gloves and apparel, as well as educational goalkeeping content via our social media pages at Prime Focus GK and YouTube channel, the Prime Focus Goalkeeping channel, as well as plenty of interviews on our blog, which you can check out on our website at www.primefocusgoalkeeping.com. We also need to thank the beautiful game network, Roughneck Scars, and Golden Gold Press for giving us a platform to reach more soccer fans and talk with more great soccer minds. Check out the website, www.bgn.fm, for more great podcasts and written content. And without further ado, let's get into our next episode. All right, welcome back to all of our listeners far and wide. I'm really excited about our episode today. We've got a professional goalkeeper coach uh, from the USL, New Mexico United Zone, Peter Davis. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Brandon. Uh, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. I'm good. I'm thankful to, uh, to be healthy. Um, and anytime I get a chance to talk about goalkeeping, whether it's about youth goalkeeping, professional goalkeeping, goalkeeper training, goalkeeping as a in goal it's I'm always down to talk about it so thanks for reaching out to me honestly I'm the same way that's why I, I love doing this I love doing the blog and stuff like that just just talking goalkeeping I realized how much I just love the position and love hearing different perspectives on the position uh so I, I you know I've I've heard of you I've yeah I obviously know Troy uh, a bit from his time in Charlotte, the head coach at New Mexico United, and, and he speaks very highly of you. And so, you know, he, he gave me your contact information, and that's how we're here on the call right now. But I want to get to know you a little bit. Uh, you know, I've read about you. Uh, I've seen some of the work you guys have done in New Mexico. But I want to hear, you know, how you, how you got to this point. So let's, let's hear a little bit about Peter Davis. Yeah, for sure. So I grew up in South Carolina, similar to, to Troy and assistant coach Zach Prince over here in New Mexico. And I grew up in Seneca, which is a small town just right next to Clemson University. And, you know, growing up, like, I didn't really follow professional soccer because it wasn't really as popular then. So what got me really going with soccer and goalkeeping as well was going to watch the men's team at Clemson University. There were some fantastic goalkeepers, as I'm sure you're aware of, that played for Clemson back in the day when I was growing up. And those are, like, my first – that was, like, my – when I would see the Clemson goalkeepers play, that was like my Vandesar, that was like my uh, uh, Barthez or Hugo Warris, for, for example. And I got locked in as soon as I went to those games because I literally lived right down the road from Riggs Field. And I think another thing was that my mom grew up in Scotland and we would go over and visit from time to time. And the culture over there for soccer is, is amazing. And that's kind of like how I really got into, into soccer. And then eventually I was thrown in basically as a goalkeeper with the, the local YMCA. And that's how it started, basically. It's pretty crazy that you mentioned that about Clemson, because I remember growing up as well. You know, I grew up in, in Charlotte playing youth soccer here in North Carolina, South Carolina. And I remember like my recruiting days, I, Clemson was always one of the spots because I remember they always had good goalkeepers. 
Uh, yeah. So I was like, I, I want to be, uh, I want to be one of those goalkeepers as well. So it's it's pretty funny that you say that because, you know, in this local area, there's a, there's a lot of great college programs. You got UNC, you got Duke, you got Wake Forest, in North Carolina, South Carolina. U, USC was a, good, a big school back when I was younger, and Clemson obviously. So there's a lot of talented schools around here, but Clemson was always one of those schools that had great goalkeepers. Yeah, no, for so, sure. Wake Forest, Chapel Hill, UNC Charlotte. You know, you had yeah. John Bush back in the day for UNC. Exactly. Charlotte. Exactly. There was just a lot of talent, a lot of a lot of options in this area. I'll say that. So how did you get into coaching? So when I graduated, I played at USC Upstate, which is in Spartanburg, South Carolina. When I graduated and I finished my college playing career, I still had that aspiration to try to be a professional goalkeeper, which I think a lot of guys do right out of college. They, they, they've grown up playing the game all their life up until their early 20s. They want to try to continue playing. And I tried to pursue that, but I think at the time I thought I was good enough. And now, I, obviously, I, I wasn't. Uh, so I would try to play. I actually lived in Charlotte for a brief period of time after I graduated to try to play at the next level because there was a goalkeeper coach in the area that was going to try to help me out. But it just never worked. And I had to try to really be really, really realistic quickly and figure out, okay, well, obviously soccer as a player is not what I want to do, or I'm not able to continue playing as a soccer player. I want to still stay in the game. And I love being out in the field. I love when I'm playing as a goalkeeper, helping the other goalkeepers that are in my session or other field players. And I thought going into maybe a graduate assistant position at a college would be the best situation for me because I could still continue my education, but then still be involved in the game. And I think that helped really build my foundation for one, separating from playing and going into coaching because it's a completely different thing. And still understanding that I'm still in the game and I'm still doing what I love to a certain extent. And it, it took a while for me to, to break away from playing, even though looking back on it now, I, I wasn't of the level to play. It was still difficult just because I had grown up playing for so long and had been so passionate about playing. And then eventually, once I got my bearings, I guess you could say, in the coaching field, I realized that coaching was definitely something I wanted to do and be more specifically, to be more specific, coaching goalkeepers, because that passion for the game was there, but I had even more of a passion for goalkeeping and goalkeeper coaching. And I, I feel kind of the same way. Like, I, I have such a passion for the game. Yeah. And I'm I'm very capable of coaching field players. Like I understand the different positions and, and the different techniques and things that need to be done, positioning and, and all of that. But like I just find myself, I'm just so much more passionate about goalkeeping, about coaching yeah. goalkeepers, about working with goalkeepers. I've had plenty of, you know, youth clubs or youth players say, hey, you know, will you come work with this team or you come work with this individual striker or midfielder, thing like that. And I'm just like, as much as I want to, I'm just like, I, I'm just not that I'm not passionate enough about it I'm much more passionate I, I love going to goalkeeper training sessions like youth goalkeeper training sessions and just working with two or three goalkeepers and just focusing on every single aspect of the, of the game and trying to trying to pass on that knowledge that I have right so that's it's just it's hard for me to transition from strictly coaching goalkeepers to stepping in and, and focusing on, on field players as well because I always find myself gravitating back towards the the goalkeepers so for sure um, I've been coaching for over I think over nine years now, and it's mainly been through coaching goalkeepers. And I still have that same, it doesn't, it doesn't get old, you know, and I think it doesn't get old because that passion has always, has always been there. 
I think it's 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 interesting because I think I feel like there's just there's so many different things you can do in a goalkeeper session, but but it all comes back to just just maintain repetitions, and that's the one thing I love is just repeating the same thing and then seeing the quality like your quality grow and that's in that in that certain area, and then translating that over to a game and and you seeing a goalkeeper perform at a high level because you know you put them through that work that it's just it's just something different for me, but. So one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to you uh, was because you're one of the one of the few goalkeeper coaches um, that I know that's worked at every single level of soccer, basically youth youth soccer, um, collegiate soccer, and professional soccer. So, what what are some of the differences for you, like in, in terms of like stepping into a training session, stepping into an environment, preparing for those different training sessions, different environments? What are the different mindsets that you have to have in terms of the youth goalkeeping coach, in terms of college goalkeeper coach, and now stepping into a professional environment as well? Yeah, I mean that's that's a great question. When so this is this past year was my first year coaching at the professional level. Prior to that, I was doing one. I had done one year of coaching college at at UCF, and then on top of that, I had been coaching youth goalkeepers for the past like, like I said before seven, eight, maybe nine years. I think listening is a huge component. I think preparation is a huge component. Now, that's coming from a coach. You know, from, for preparation, coaching-wise, I still prepare everything, whether it's a training session, whether it's playing for the game. I prepare probably more now as a professional goalkeeper coach. You know, I think as a professional goalkeeper coach now, it's all about preparing for who you're playing against, about the opponent. You know, in preseason, it's more about covering all aspects, all the technical, all the tactical. And you continue to focus on those little subtle details in the season, but it's still always going to be tied into that game that you're going to be playing on a Saturday um, or during midweek. At the youth level, I wasn't really concerned about the opponent or who the goalkeeper was going to be playing at all. It was more about, for me, developing that, that foundation from a technical standpoint, from a tactical standpoint. I think as well, coaching goalkeepers at the youth level, you have to be a little bit more patient. You know, I've seen some people where they're coaching 14 or 15 year olds, how to do a certain type of dive, whether it's a collapse dive or an extension dive, or they're teaching them different handling techniques. And I, I see them get really, really frustrated with them. And that's one thing that I think I, I bring a good trait with is that I'm, I'm patient when it comes to youth goalkeeping and with the professionals too. I think listening is an important component. I think listening at the professional level with the goalkeepers I've worked with so far, when you bring something to the table, you don't have to remind them. You don't have to remind them at all. And their understanding of what you're bringing to their table and you respect what they bring to the table as well. Yeah, I think that's one thing being, being currently still playing and then also coaching as well. That's tough for me is when I am working in these youth environments, working with these younger goalkeepers, having to remember that I'm working with 12 and 13 and 14 year olds, not, you know, professionals. And so I tend to, I, I, I've gotten a lot better at it, but sometimes I'm still like, how, you know, how do they not understand this or how can they not get this? Or, you know, and so I'm, I'm, it's, it's good for me because it, it teaches me how to relay information. It teaches me how to, how to get across my point in a, in a digestible way to a younger audience right because I can when I'm in goalkeeper training with my goalkeeper coach and the other coaches like I don't have to worry so much about coaching them um, I'm more so worried about coaching myself and I'm a lot harder on myself than I am on and on any youth goalkeeper so I can I can say certain things to myself or I can I can you know move on from certain things without 
saying anything. Whereas in a, in a youth setting, it's totally different. So it's, it's just always interesting to hear the perspective of, of someone who, who works in both environments and, and kind of understands, you know, the different ways to relay information in, in one environment versus, versus the other. Um, so one thing I will Sorry to interrupt, but I think one thing that is a similarity that, I've, that I'm just now thinking of after you've brought that up is that the reflection after the session is still the same. So, for example, if I was coaching a 15-year-old goalkeeper, some technical aspects of their, their game, after the session, I'm still thinking back on that session and thinking, what are some things that I thought I did well? What are some things that didn't go well? What are some things that maybe could have been changed for the next session? That reflection period like immediately after the session when I'm walking back to the office or, 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 you know, driving home for an example, it's the same kind of reflection that I have when I'm done with working with the guys at the, at the professional level. I'm always kind of thinking, you know, what are some things that I can take away from that session that were positive and negative? And I think that's an important thing for any coaches, whether you're a goalkeeper coach or not, that they should have at any level. I think reflection is really important because it prepares you for what you're going to be working with the next time and you can kind of already evaluate in a way what went well what didn't maybe i should try this differently you know that's where the preparation really comes into play i think preparation regardless of what age whatever ability level preparation at the youth level professional level college level whatever is super important so how does it differ in terms of, you speak about reflection how does that differ in terms of uh, taking that feedback and funneling it into the next session or, or, or the preparing for the weekend. Because like you said, with professional, uh, at the professional level, you know who you're playing that weekend, right? So that's who you're preparing for for four days out of that week. Whereas at the youth level, you know, you don't so much care about the, the opponent as you do about the development of the goalkeeper. But often at the youth level, you work with a larger number of goalkeepers who may have different opponents, who may have different strengths and weaknesses. So how, how does it, how do you handle that at the youth level, that reflection and, and taking it to the next session as opposed to at the professional level? That's a great question because at the youth level, sometimes you don't know exactly what your numbers are going to be. So for right. example, you know, you may have, if you're working with a group of U16, U17s in a group, you may reach out to people and asking, just confirming that they're going to be there with their attendance. So you may already know, all right, I'm going to plan, for example, uh, shot stopping or angle shot stopping session for four or five goalkeepers, plan that out, and then you go out there, and then maybe one of them doesn't show, and then there's another goalkeeper that didn't reach out at all that ended up showing up as well. You know, so there's a lot of factors that are not set with youth training because sometimes you don't know the exact numbers no matter how much you plan sometimes you've really got to uh, change things quickly and be on on top of it so sometimes at the youth level i would plan out a session for that same day with a smaller quantity of goalkeepers and then i would also try to plan all right what in case this happens what if i have two more goalkeepers that may show up and how does that change? Because sometimes having one goalkeeper added when you're not really knowing they're going to come, that, can, that makes you have to change the whole session almost sometimes. Right. Exactly. And this is like, I would reach out to parents beforehand and just say, this is the plan. I would tell them what field we're on, what time the goalkeeper training is for their goalkeeper. Can you confirm yes or no that they're going to be there? And then sometimes as well, the team coach may just say, you know what, I'm just going to take my goalkeeper 
and sorry, like I need him for this scrimmage that we're going to have, for an example. And then you don't have that goalkeeper for the session. <laughs> so the thing is, there's not the factors are a little bit more open with youth training at the professional level. You know exactly at least a few hours ahead of time if you're going to have three goalkeepers, two goalkeepers, because you're going to have that communication with them in the locker room to make sure that they're good, good to train. And then obviously you're, you only have a certain amount of goalkeepers on your roster too. So I think at the professional level, it's a little bit more regimented that will allow you to prepare a certain way at the youth training level that the regiment aspect may not be as solidified because you may have, you know, it may take a long time for somebody to get to the training session because they live a long way away. So they may show up a little bit late, you know, uh, it's all about just trying to be on your toes and just trying to prepare as best as you can for, what may lay ahead. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. So I wanna talk a little bit about transitions and, and specifically like transitions from youth soccer to college soccer and then from college soccer to professional soccer. So as a goalkeeper coach, you know, talking to some of these youth players, um, what are some of the biggest differentiators that you see for youth goalkeepers that can, I guess, set them apart in, in the recruiting process that'll help them to reach a, the, the level that they want to in college soccer? Yeah. So let's take, for example, so from a youth goalkeeper to college, I think, so you're asking basically what are some things that separates them from an ability standpoint? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. So in terms of like, you, you've been a college coach and, and obviously, you know, there's a lot of great youth goalkeepers out there. And I, and I talk to a lot of my youth goalkeepers all the time and they say, you know, there's plenty of, plenty of goalkeepers can, can make saves, you know, at, yeah. once you reach a certain level, pretty much everyone can make saves, right? So what is going to help you stand out? What's going to be the differentiator for you that's going to that's gonna, um, take you to the next level that you want to be at instead of the other person who, who does, you know, a lot of the similar things that you do? Right. For me, I agree. At the next level, so from youth to college, most goalkeepers or all goalkeepers should be able to make that, that big time save. They're all shot stoppers, as they should be. I think what separates, for example, goalkeepers going into a college environment is how they deal with the ball at their feet, whether that's looking to keep possession when the ball is played back to them, or whether that's knowing the, the decision between keeping possession or whether to just go long, or how they deal with the ball at their feet under pressure. But it's just also just distribution in general. You know, the throwing technique is just as important nowadays, in my opinion, or it should be as distribution with their feet. So for example, if they take two goalkeepers that are very good shot stoppers, you know, the thing that's going to separate one from the other is, is going to be that decision making that they have with their feet, the technical ability with their feet, you know, how good is their first touch? Are they making the right first touch in the right direction? And also making sure that their understanding of how the game is played, because I think a lot of goalkeepers also, they are that shot stopper. And that's, that's the job, is the goalkeeper is supposed to keep the ball out of the net. I understand that. But the way the game itself is developing and growing and how it's changing, the goalkeepers are going to become – the goalkeeper, excuse me, is going to become an ever more present component of that attack. And it's not just about taking that goal kick and just looking to hit it 70, 75 yards. It's about knowing as a goalkeeper, you know, how can I help keep possession but then maybe help us go attack forward not just from a long distance distribution. Yeah, I really hope uh, all of our listeners are, are really listening to this part because yeah. this is the one thing I, I struggle with 
as as a goalkeeper coach working with youth goalkeepers I say, you know oftentimes I'll get text messages from parents say hey you know so and so really needs to work on you know be reaching the top corner you know extension diver and things like that and I'm and I say that's great but I, a lot of times I'll spend 20, 25 minutes just on distribution in, a, in, a, in an hour-long goalkeeper session because I look at – I study a lot of my own film. Um, and I, I st- I'm a big, big stats guy. Uh, so I, I, I love to see, you know, how many touches I had in the game, how many passes I completed, which areas I completed those passes in. Um, because, like you said, I think goal, the goalkeeper position is a big catalyst for the attack um, yeah. and building out of the back and getting, getting out of pressure. And so – I look at the statistics and I touch them. I may touch the ball 40, 45 times with my feet in the game and I'll make four saves, right? And catch maybe two crosses, right? So I've touched the ball with my hands maybe six or seven times in a game, but I've touched it, you know, five, six, seven times as many times with my feet. And I, th- and I think people tend to s- skip over that and, and not pay attention to that because, you know, they don't think that it's such a big part of the game. And it may not be as big a part of the game in youth soccer. Like, I'll, I'll go to youth youth games, and they don't play back to the goalkeeper as much as I may want, um, mainly because the goalkeeper probably isn't that comfortable with it. But I think it's it's one of those things that I tell my goalkeepers all the time, if you can develop this now, you're going to be light years ahead of the other 15-year-olds at your age group, right? And if you're comfortable now at 15, you're going to be even more comfortable at 16 and even more comfortable at 17. And by the time you enter college, you're going to be at a field player level, hopefully, where you can distribute out the back. And now you, you know, when I went into college, I wasn't very good with my feet. And that was one of the reasons why I didn't get a lot of playing time my first, you know, couple of years. And so I try to tell goalkeepers, like, if we can get that down early, then, you know, you've got to, you've got to step ahead of everyone else. And so I love that you brought that up because I think it's a huge part of the, of the youth game that is, I don't want, won't say it's ignored, but it's, it's, it's not, there's not enough emphasis put on it because I think sometimes in like in larger sessions where you've got six or eight goalkeepers, it's kind of hard to, to get everyone involved in the, the game situation distribution that you want to, you want to do. And so I just implore youth goalkeepers to, to do everything they can to get comfortable with their feet. Yeah. And I think as well, going back to one of your questions earlier at the youth level, there's one thing that whenever I talk to, when I was coaching at the youth level, one thing I would always say to the coaches, the team coaches, is that there's one guarantee that I can give you right now with your goalkeeper that I'm working with. And that is, they're going to make a mistake. And the thing is, they need to make mistakes to learn. So at times there were periods where they, they for example, like you said, they wouldn't want the ball being played back to their goalkeeper because of the threat of them possibly making a wrong decision or dealing with it in the wrong way. So for me, okay, I understand that, but where's the development aspect of it? You know, at the youth level, they have to understand that they learn a lot if they don't do something certainly the right way or not what we may be telling them. If they learn from that, then that's the, that's the beauty of it, you know? Um, So I, I understand your point. It's just, that's, I think that's one difference, obviously, as well, from one of your earlier questions also, is that at the youth level, the frustration for me would never be if they made a mistake, because that's them learning. You either win or you learn, in my opinion. That's a philosophy that I kind of go by. Yeah, and I think it's just hard at the youth level um, to get parents and even t- sometimes coaches to understand development versus winning. 
right? Especially at the goalkeeper position. Like, yeah, there's going to be mistakes when you play the ball back to your goalkeeper. But if you just don't do it, I feel like that you put your team under so much more pressure. Like they're they're having to deal with so much more that could be alleviated. Like, you know, one mistake out of maybe, you know, 10 or 11, like I, I'm willing to take that if, if the development process is there, if they're if they're learning how to play with their feet and we're, we're learning how to play out of the back. So it's, 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 it's a tough one, but uh, I, I enjoy having those discussions. Uh, so let's talk about, let's talk about that, that transition from, from a college goalkeeper to now a professional goalkeeper, right? So hopefully in the college game, you know, those, the goalkeepers that are reaching the professional level are the ones who, you know, are more well-rounded, have a lot of different attributes to their game, distribution, collecting crosses, making saves, obviously. So what do you think the biggest transition from, for a goalkeeper from the college game to the professional game is? I think in order for a college goalkeeper to make it at the professional level, the consistency of decision-making has to be right. So, the other part of that is a mental component. And I go over the mentality of dealing with stress and, and all that at the youth levels too, but I think it's even more prevalent if you're trying to transition from college to, to professional. So consistency is very big for, for me. I think Cody Mizell was a fantastic goalkeeper this year for us. And I think one of the reasons why is because he was so consistent with what we were asking him to do, but the things he would do on the field as well were, were always under the guidance of our philosophy. I'll put it that way. So he had, like I said, he had a great season, but for me, consistency is very big and that's in relation to decision-making that's in the, just in terms of the saves that they make at the times of the game. So are they able to come up big in the right moments, even if they may not be dealing with a lot of shots or situations throughout the game, if, if there's that one opportunity that they, we, we have to deal with as a goalkeeper where they have to make a save, are they prepared for it? So I think the consistent, the overall framework of their ability and how it needs to be consistent is what really separates the goalkeepers from the college to the professional level. And that's consistency, whether it's shot stopping, whether it's consistency with their communication, whether that's consistency with their dealing with the ball at their feet. It all has to be uh, in that manner. I think that's the biggest thing I learned in my jump from, from UNCW to, to the Rochester Rhinos was the consistency aspect. I remember, I'll never forget my first practice. I was like, this isn't very hard. Like, I, I, I can definitely do this. And then, you know, a week went by, two weeks went by, two or three months went by. And people don't really understand that mental grind that a professional season is. And at that time, it was only six months. And now we're, we're going, you know, sometimes nine, ten months. And yeah. so that's the biggest thing I try to convey to, to younger goalkeepers who come into this environment, just younger players in general is like college is obviously tough. You're playing a lot of, a lot of games in a short span, but once you get to the professional level and you start training in February and you don't end until hopefully, you know, November, mid November, like consistency every single day in training and then having that same consistency in games, that's a tough, tough beast. Like it's tough to, to stay motivated one to to get up every single day and do the same exact thing every single day uh, especially as a goalkeeper where you're, you're you know you're constantly working on that same technique to to like we talked about earlier to to basically perfect it so when you do when it does come up that one time in a game you're ready for it 
right? So that was one of the biggest things for me is like, I didn't have that consistency when I was younger and that's why I didn't get those opportunities. Um, but you also talked about like just consistency and making, in making the big saves and the big moments. Like there were times even later in my career when I was 20, 25, 26, where I found myself making big saves, but at other times not making the big save. And I felt like that was a big confidence issue for me. It's like, I just didn't, I wasn't confident enough to make those big saves game in and game out. I'd make them, you know, this Saturday and two weeks later, I'm not making that, you know, a same similar situation save. So those are the big things for me uh, that you really have to focus on when you're, when you're jumping from college to professional. And that that's one role that I feel that I have because environment plays a huge factor in how a goalkeeper can play in the game. If they're taken care of the right ways, you know, if they're provided the right things that they need, I think that's part of being a facilitator as, as a coach. You know, part of being a coach, in my opinion, is facilitating the needs, you know, at, at the youth level. And I keep going back to the first question where it's comparing the youth level to now. For me, some days, like leading into the game, usually the day before, we tended to do in the goalkeeper session the exact same exercises the day before the game. So, for example, the day, uh, if the game is on Saturday, every Friday we would do the exact same session. And, you know, Cody basically told me at the beginning of the year when we met, he's like, you know, on the day before the game, I like to kind of keep it regimented and doing the same exercises, just some basic technical work, just so, like, it gets me ready for the game. Instead of me bringing something to the table that may be a little bit more different or something they haven't done before, it, it, if we keep it that way, then it keeps Cody – ready and that's one thing that i never dealt with at the youth level you know if they had a game the day before i wouldn't try to to work them to exhaustion but i would still work on things in our curriculum that we had planned for that week or that month before the game the day before the game we would always do the exact same thing because i knew that would help the goalkeeper this is at the professional level i knew it would help the goalkeeper be ready for the next day and that's something that you have to respect as a professional goalkeeper is that Sometimes you have to ask them what they need, not just about what I bring to them, because it, it's got to be an open book, in my opinion, at the professional level. And yeah. there may be disagreements. That's, that's normal. But as long as you guys are on the same page, I think that helps with the environment that, you, that I brought up about how it, it's all about how you do in the game at the professional level. And I think that can really, really help. Environment is, environment is, is huge. Sometimes goalkeepers will come to one environment, may not play that well, but they may go to another team the next year, and they're, they're phenomenal. And it's, it's due to the, the environment that they're put in. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I've been in some great environments where I've thrived and I've been in some poor environments due to myself or due to the, due to the coaching staff, whatever, where I just didn't play well. And so the environment, the relationship with the goalkeeper coach is huge in terms of success, especially at the professional level. I think it's, it's, it's pretty key to have a good working relationship with your goalkeeper coach in order for you to be successful as a goalkeeper. For sure. I agree. So I want to, last thing I want to talk about is just a bit about coaching education. Um, and I guess coaching education specifically in the U.S. for, for goalkeeper coaches. Um, I personally don't know a lot about it, but I, I'd just be interested to hear like what kind of licenses or courses you've taken that have helped you to get to where you are as a goalkeeper coach. Right. I, for a graduation present from my call, when I graduated from college, I had a, my graduation present was to take a, I think it was a C-level course 
at Wofford College through the NSCAA. So the NSCAA is now the, I think it's now called the United Coaches Association. They, they rebranded it. Yeah. And so obviously my, my parents paid for, paid for that. Uh, unfortunately, from a goalkeeping standpoint, there isn't anything offered. There may be some things in the works, but for right now, there's nothing offered from a goalkeeping standpoint in terms of coaching education in this country, which is, it's frustrating for me. I think there needs to be something for goalkeepers, youth, college, professional goalkeepers for professional development. And I, I'm sure that they will have something brought out to the table sometime in the future, but it's been a while since they've even had anything. For me, if there's a coach that is trying to get these coaching courses, if you have the financial ability to do it and you have the time to do it, do it. Because it's only going to help lay a foundation for you and your coaching ability. They're beneficial. Some people say that, you know, don't do that course, don't do this course, it's not worth it. For me, I, I, I just, if I have the ability to do it, I'm going to do it. And nowadays with the technology that we have available and the resources that we have available, there's no reason, in my opinion as well, for us not to be reading up, watching things in terms of coaching education. You know, the FA in England, they have an FA learning YouTube channel. Excuse me. They have an FA learning YouTube channel. Sorry, I can barely talk for some reason. Um, <coughs> sorry, just give me a second. <clears throat> Lost my voice there for a second. Uh, no worries. So the FA has a learning channel. <coughs> I'm not getting emotional, I promise. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> hey, I understand. I get emotional about goalkeeping sometimes too. No, I, um, the FA has a learning channel on YouTube that's really beneficial, and it's free. The Scottish Football Association has online coaching courses as well that are fairly reasonably priced. And there's so many resources out there right now that people can do on any span of time just to check out. It's, it's unfortunate, like I said before, that the uh, Federation in this country doesn't have anything. But if that's the case, then there's other avenues people can use to try to, to gain any kind of insight, whether it's podcasts, kind of like what you're doing. There's a lot of goalkeeper podcasts out there you can learn a ton from. There's YouTube channels like the FA that are credited resources as well. But um, hopefully in due time, they'll have something for goalkeeping. I think it's important for goalkeeper coaches to still look to try to take field player courses or team coaches courses as well. It's just an overall good foundation. Yeah, I mean, I, would, I think that hopefully it can continue to, the educa coaching education can continue to develop in, in our country, specifically around goalkeeping, because I think, you know, it's, it's kind of a shame that we have such a great goalkeeping core from our national team all the way down to, to like the youth levels, um, but we don't quite have that coaching education um, solidified as well. But I mean, uh, like you said, there's there's plenty of resources out there. There's podcasts, YouTube. I mean, there's I know there's a lot there's a lot of stuff on YouTube I don't like, but there's also a lot of YouTube channels that that give a lot of great insight uh, into to some of the sessions. There's a lot, there's a lot of things being done in, in, with video during sessions, and, and, and people can see a lot of the the in depth stuff that you didn't get to see, you know, maybe five ten years ago. So I think it's it's really really readily available. People just have to seek it out. Uh, you have to hopefully be able to find it but peter i want to take up too much of your time i really appreciate you hopping on the podcast today uh, sure. some great Thanks. insight great to get to know you and uh hopefully we can do this again sometime
For sure, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, you had a, from watching you from New Mexico, you had a great season and uh, I think you're doing great stuff over in Charlotte and I'm looking forward to watching you next year. And anytime you want to have another podcast, just let me know. I appreciate it. All right. Well, that's it for this episode and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode, guys. And that's another episode of the Last Line Soccer Podcast in the books. Once again, we want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. We really appreciate your support. As always, if you have any feedback for us, positive or negative, head over to the Prime Focus goalkeeping page to drop us a message. We also want to thank another one of our sponsors, Roughneck Scars, for all the work they do. If you're in need of great custom scars for teams or supporters groups, head over to roughneckscars.com to see what they have to offer. As always, guys, take care and stay tuned for the next Last Line Soccer Podcast episode. Thank <laughs> you.